Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. Welcome to the program. We have a great clip from 1976 talking about perfect love being commended to imperfect people. Now, here's a tremendous verse that I'm going to be basing the message upon today. And the word is commendeth. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we should be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, what reconciled us? The death of his Son. Jesus Christ didn't react to us. He died for us. So many Christians react to people's no-strength periods instead of dying for them. Now, much more... Being reconciled, we should be saved by his life. Not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin and enters the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, that all have sinned, for all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who was the figure of them that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and gift of grace, two things mentioned. One, grace of God, then it becomes a gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ has abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Key word, many offenses unto justification, extremely potent with truth to the New Testament covenant believer. If by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace, and now, instead of being a gift of grace, it explains it as the gift of righteousness, and righteousness is a gift, shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came, doesn't say it's coming, it came, upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Key words. Grace did much more abound. Verse 21. 
that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, there's a lot in that chapter, believe me. If there's anything that we don't need, is someone to be a recipient of perfect love and not to express it. If there's anything that turns Christians off that get saved, it is a church that preaches for God so love the world, but then they don't go out and love the world. I like to think of it this way. Christ put away our sin, but he has not put away the sinner. Well, that didn't bring the response that it did in my heart, but that's perfectly all right. Maybe we're not on the same plane. I'll just say it one more time. And who knows? Something might happen, Lord. Now, if there's one thing (laughs) that is very important, it is to know that Christ (laughs) has put away our sin, but has not put away you, you old sinner. There. Now, what does it mean to have Christ put away our sin, but not to put away the sinner? Well, it means that the Lord Jesus Christ gives the sinner a chance not to express what he is. And when the Lord Jesus died for the sinner while he was yet a sinner, that gave the sinner without strength an opportunity to receive the first initial down payment of something that would stop him from sinning. God was, present tense, more interested in the believer receiving something that would stop him from sinning more than he was having the believer go to heaven without sin. Because God is always interested in the now of his salvation in our behalf. So if you get a group of people who have received perfect love while they were imperfect, But they do not become channels to express that kind of love. And it simply stays within them, residential, without expression. Then they enter into a passive, theological box. And they become extremely dead in their doctrine of righteousness. They have a doctrine of righteousness. And they have received perfect love and can tell you that Christ died while they were sinners. But not begin to be used to die, spiritually speaking, to themselves for other people who are sinners. Now, I want you to think with me that everybody ought to have the opportunity to grow up as children in the body. So many times when somebody gets up here or does something, somebody who is immature in their perfect love toward people 
I'll repeat that again. They are immature in their perfect love toward people because they haven't really experienced the faith of it, in the grace of it, in the gift of it. So, without any thought of self-evaluation, they say, well, the person shouldn't say that or shouldn't do that. They're not willing to let God and that per person walk together and let that person grow. They stifle the possibility of that person becoming a realistic individual in the kingdom through truth. By stifling the person when they haven't arrived in the maturity of knowledge through experience. And they begin to question what the person says and what the person does. And as they question what the person says and what the person does, they refuse to have faith in God's plan for the person. It's so vital that I let you grow up the way that God wants you to. It's so vital that I allow you to see yourself in failure without condemning you or without criticizing you while you're going down. It is so important that I let God work out the bad things in your life so He can work in the good things. In Philippians 2.13. It is so important that people be allowed to grow honestly and not superficially. That they're able to go through questions and times and learn obedience by it rather than to be totally legislated in righteousness without faith, without having to have any grace, and without understanding love. You see, when somebody does what I say or what you say, and they just do it because of fear, that is not spirituality. They conform to our commandments, but they don't experience our salvation. They regulate their lives to obey our doctrine, but they don't experience the one that died to give us the life so that we can have God's heartbeat. So, they don't know grace because they're not allowed to, to uh, experience it. They don't enjoy growing in faith because they're not permitted to exercise faith in growing. You didn't get that either, but that's all right. But what happens is this. God says, listen, what did I do for the world while they were yet sinners and without strength? I commendeth my love. Now, this is a fabulous key to the Christian life. God commendeth his love toward us. He did something with his love. He commendeth it, and he did it toward the people that were without strength and yet sinners. Now, what is that? That is the action of God's Spirit in the inactivity of our life. Which simply reveals the life of God's activity. And when the believer begins to become inactive in his Adam actions, and he allows death to take all of his soul so that life can reign in his spirit, then that individual begins to commend something. And I looked up the word commend, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. 
It's the most amazing thing, really. Here's a person in the illustration of the Greek syntax. Here's a person that was totally disobedient to the king. And the king, by according to law, must punish the disobedient servant. And the person deserved death because he was slothful at his posts and allowed prisoners to escape. And the prisoners did much damage to the particular capital. And in the Greek, the king simply said to the guilty party, I give you my token of grace, and I give you my expression of love, and I commend it towards you so that no one can charge you with your slothfulness or disobedience. Now, that's what the word meant in the illustration, but imagine what it means in the spiritual revelation. That Jesus Christ takes a world of sinners and He said, I command love towards you. I command my love towards you and I commend it. While you are still in your sin. It isn't a passive love. It's an active love. And that love becomes active and so it brings the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that love is commended toward you while you was an alcoholic, while you was immoral, while you was a liar, while you was a thief, while you was a depressed person. That love was commended toward you. God commanded that it would go toward you. He commanded that His blood would take care of your sins. He commanded that you'd be able to be totally forgiven by that love that was commended towards you. Now, God did not say, I wished that you would uh, do something to receive it. He just says, I commend it toward you, just exactly in your present state of sin. And so God began to make that move. And then he says, I'm going to let you to grow up by faith, through grace, in experiencing that love being commended through you by the action of my very power in resurrection. What is the first thing that love allows me to do? To die to the action of my Adam life and become inactive to reaction. So now... With all the reasons in the world for me to be frustrated, I become inactive to my right to commend frustration at the situation. I resign my option of reacting to anger by commending my life to Jesus Christ's command of love and communication of grace. So now... Instead of a believer living a life filled with emotional reaction, troubled with mental distortion, now the believer begins to live a life where love is commended or commanded or communicated in a definite direction, in a specific purpose. Now, imagine what happens. Here's the pastor, and he commends his love toward people before they get right. While they are in sin, while they do not have strength, 
He commends the love message toward them. He commends the attitude of grace toward them. He commends faith to God for them. He prays through the Spirit uh, for them in his priesthood. And that pastor begins to communicate a love that he has received through God's commending. And he does it. Now, the elders do it. The deacons do it. The body does it. And the whole body is filled with people commending love. That's not passive love. That's active love. And that love is being commended. So now here's a situation where a person has gone out and lived in wicked sins. But a whole group of people commend love toward that person. While they're still in their sin, and they don't have any strength to receive your love, but you go right on commending the love. And that's a fantastic way to reveal grace. Now, that is grace, not as a theological meaning, but as a life revealed in action. Now, what happens to that person? Would you rather have an atmosphere, an environment, where everybody you meet is loving you as you are and meaning it in a beautiful way? Or would you rather have a, a sin situation where you're always out there reaping what you sow in the natural laws of Adam? Naturally, you're going to be drawn from one to the other and ultimately receive the capacity to experience the hope in the other. Now... This is what God has been trying to do to believers. He's, he's wanted them to understand that perfect love is given to imperfect people while they're imperfect. Now, if Christianity is anything, it's perfect love dying for the imperfect when the imperfect can't even act toward it. The truth about the crucifixion and the death and burial of me personally in my life hasn't delivered me. I've got the best thing going and I'm not delivered. My God, help me. You know what delivered that old fellow? I mean that young fellow. You know what delivered him? Romans 7.25 I thank God through Jesus Christ. God is love. You know what delivered him? Perfect love understood while he was imperfect delivered him. He said, what do you know? The love of God is perfect while I'm still in this imperfect act. No condemnation. And then he went on to say that life through death, the angels, the principalities, and their powers could ever separate him from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Romans 38 and 39. And I want you folks to really listen to this. This is loaded. Now listen. Now listen. Listen. Perfect love, dying for the imperfect, refusing to separate from the imperfect. A lot of people take it so for granted their lives are dull even in the kingdom of the throne. They don't get excited every day like the rest of us. They're dull. Dull acting, dull thinking, and dull listening. Anyway, you don't get by with it here. But anyway, uh, what it is, think of it. An imperfect Paul, which has had a baptism, the gifts, Arabia, Shekinah light, and all of that. But the only thing that makes Paul what he became was perfect love while he was still imperfect.
good to know when Rome, uh, when the book of Romans was written too. But uh, it's a precious thing because he understood that God commended his love to him even while he was in that dilemma. And by the way, that's the only Christianity that God wants to be revealed on earth today. The Lord could say of Jacob in Numbers 23:21 that I did not behold the iniquity of Jacob, neither did I see the sin of Israel. Why? Perfect love was commended toward them while they lived in imperfection. What does perfect love do? In verse 1, it justifies us, just as if we never sinned. In verse 1, it gives us peace constantly. In verse 2, it gives us access, access by faith into grace. We always have access into grace. In verse 2, we stand in the grace and rejoice of that that we have access to. Verse 3, we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation has a plan in love. In verse 4, we begin to ex experience patience. We begin to experience the attribute of grace as an attitude of our mentality, as an emotional state of our affections. And we begin to experience patience as a way of life in tribulation rather than tribulation Violating patience through anxiety. And then, in verse 5, Then the love of God is shed abroad. Our hope doesn't make us ashamed when it doesn't reveal itself by sight. Because while we're waiting for the thing to come to pass, we have the love that's going out to it before it gets to us. And so, our hope doesn't make us ashamed. We're not ashamed because we didn't get our answer yesterday. We're not ashamed because our son didn't get saved last month and we asked him to on a Sunday night, but he didn't the next week. Because our love goes out to the son before the son gets saved and before the hope is experienced by sight, we experience love in Jesus Christ and patience in that grace and we stand in the faith of it and we become the substance of God's life while we wait for the son to materialize in the substance of God's answer. So all the time we're waiting... Tribulation is working patience, and patience is revealing God's love through us. Because we got to God through faith. And because this happens, a believer lives shedding abroad unconditional love that is commended toward the weak, that is commended toward the dishonest, that is commended toward the lustful, that is commended toward the drinker, that is commended toward the self-righteous, that is commended toward the insecure, that is commended toward the lazy. And this love is commended through us, so we experience the strength of it, the joy of it, the power of it, and the promise of it before anything happens because of it. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and one's like it going out on the Internet 
and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com. Wow, really good. In Galatians 4.12, Paul talking to the Galatians says, Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. For I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you at first. And my temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness ye spake of? For I bear ye record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Amazing. Paul preached with infirmity in his flesh. Whether that means, commentators say many things about what that means. It could talk about an ailment with his eyes that he was purported to have. It could talk just about him being human being, him being sick, um, sickly, and coming to them with the gospel. And it could really just talk about his imperfection as a man, that he failed at times, that he preached in infirmity. <laughs> but he pre- but the message he preached about the perfect love of God reached imperfect people through an imperfect person. And that is amazing. That is amazing. That the gospel and the grace of God during this age, as Jesus raised from the dead, ascended to the Father, and the time of Pentecost, beginning this amazing age of grace, where we see Gentiles coming into the kingdom of God, the nations, where God had centered his ministry really on Israel and the nation of Israel, and had touched other heathen nations through them. Now, this message was through his Son, to go out into all the world. And now those nations and people in them would provoke Israel to jealousy because they would be clearly experiencing and manifesting the love of the God of Israel. And that is awesome. That God would use imperfect nations, that he would use imperfect people In John 16, starting in verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And it goes on to explain what those things are. But the Spirit of God sent to man as a a comforter, the same thing that Jesus was when he was with the disciples. He was a paraclete. The Holy Spirit of God would come as a paraclete, indwelling men, that the perfect message and the perfect spirit would indwell vessels of clay. And because they are broken, the treasure is revealed. And that is where we're living today. Yes, God commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us.
Wow. God died for us while we were far from righteous, far from perfect. God lives in us while we are still far from perfect, though now we've been declared righteous, and Christ will return. And it is amazing that this age of grace will come to a close when the perfect man returns again into the world, and another age will begin. We'd love to hear from you, so please go to our website and contact us. The web address is www.graceinpublic.com. So all you out there who don't, who live thinking about how imperfect you are, <laughs> I'm only human, you may say. Well, you know, that's not really going to cut it with God, ultimately. God still has a perfect standard, even though man is imperfect. That perfect standard was met by his Son. And you can receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ on your account as an imperfect person and actually be perfectly suited still in your imperfection to reveal that life, love, and affect others with this message. You can become this member in particular in the body of Christ and also one with a great purpose and a great mission to go into all the world. Would you receive Christ today? You don't have to do anything. You don't have to plan to do anything. The love of God will do it in you. Pray a prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Seal me with your spirit. Make me yours. I invest faith right now into the fact that you died, you were buried, you were resurrected on the third day, and that you ascended to the Father, all so that a free gift could be given to me, and I receive it right now, that gift of salvation, not because of anything that I've done or could earn, but because I am asking in faith, I pray. Make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen.